Well, a wonderful introduction to our text today. If you have your Bibles, let's take them out and let's open them to Matthew's Gospel. We're in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. I'm gonna ask that everyone stand, please, as we read this text together. As we study through it, I'll have you look at the text. You know, I don't expect you to read it out loud. But what we're doing in this season, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're standing, and you, I am asking you to say out loud these words from God to us this Lord's Day. I'll look with you at the screen, and let's read God's Word to us today uh, out loud. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the living word of God for us today. Pray with me. Father, we ask that in this text, in these moments, that you would show us what it means to follow Jesus. This is our prayer. In his name, amen. You all can be seated. It took uh, three years of innovative, complicated, highly risky construction before um, what was at that time uh, the largest man-made movable object to be completed and prepared for its maiden voyage. She was launched from Southampton, England on April 10th, 1912 with 2,240 souls on board. This is the way they describe people in those days, you know, boarding ships. Um, four days later, it's 11.30 at night, a lookout spotted an iceberg. There were icebergs in the area. You all know this story. Um, they rang the warning bell. I mean, this all, we all know this, this factual. They rang the, he, he, this lookout rang the warning bell, telephoned the bridge, so called the bridge, and uh, the engines were reversed. The ship did turn such that rather than a direct hit on the iceberg, the boat sideswiped the iceberg that was in her past, such that side swiping it, you can imagine it's like big shards of ice go all across the, the front deck of the ship. At 2.20 a.m., we're now four hours from the grazing of the iceberg, uh, you all know this, the Titanic, which was floating along, was now vertical. I mean, it looked like a Bike stuck in the ocean and in just a few moments plunged to the bottom of the sea. Uh, there were 
1,553 people who perished. Now, it was not the iceberg they saw that sunk them. It was the iceberg they didn't see. When they grazed the iceberg four hours earlier, they, they assumed, uh, they, they, they immediately were grateful, assuming no damage, they, they pressed on, but they quickly realized what they could not see, but was reality, is that that iceberg carved a 300 foot long gash in the hull, but it was below the waterline. Now, you, you probably know this when you look at this picture. Um, 90% of an iceberg, you all, is above the surface. Um, or 10%, I'm sorry, 10% above. 90% is below the surface. So when the lookout said iceberg and saw the iceberg, I want you to, he was looking at 10 yards of a 100-yard-long football field. Now, they estimate that the mass of the, the, the iceberg that the Titanic struck was three to six times the, the mass of the boat itself. And all this means in physics is like when it hit the iceberg, the iceberg didn't move. It was like it hit a can opener that ripped its hull open. I wanna leave that up for a moment because I want you to understand Jesus in our text today tells us it's not the iceberg you can see that is our greatest threat. That's not the threat. The greatest threat is the iceberg you cannot see. And you say, well, okay, what do you mean it's the greatest? What's the threat here? Well, it's nothing, it's nothing less than this. Um, whether you're in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom. <laughs> that's, that's what's at stake in understanding the threat that's here. Um, Jesus is gonna tell us, and, and, and I'll cut to the quick, our outward behavior is not the big issue. <laughs> it's what's inside of us <laughs> that is the great problem. This text is amazing in so many ways. I, I, I wanna give you a preview in this way. It's this text, these four verses are an introduction to a section of the Sermon on the Mount. Have you noticed that the Sermon on the Mount actually has different sections in it? Now we're starting a new section of the Sermon on the Mount today. So this, this verse actually introduces what is to come. And uh, what's gonna happen, and I'm gonna tell you something. If you've not felt uncomfortable in the Sermon on the Mount yet, you will. So when Rob opens up the next section, he's gonna open up where we're gonna look at six very specific and concrete examples where Jesus is gonna take your heart, pull it right out of your chest and hold it up for you to look at. Your heart, all that you are. <laughs> and it's brutal and beautiful and full of grace and just what we need. 
So uh, that, that, this is an introduction. Uh, with that, I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna look at four verses that we just read. Uh, I'm gonna put a heading on each verse. And the heading, I'm just gonna phrase, Jesus is saying this basically in each verse. And you'll see this on the outline. Uh, in verse 17, he's gonna say, don't even think about it. And then in verse, or 17, then verse 18, he says, don't ignore the smallest parts. Verse 19, he says, don't be least in the kingdom. I'll repeat these when I'm there. And then verse 20, he says, don't measure righteousness by that of religious leaders. Don't measure your righteousness by that of religious leaders. Okay, with me, look at verse 17 in your Bibles. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus, Jesus says literally, and I've phrased it this way, don't even think about it. And you know, there, there, are, um, there are signs that warn us, for example, don't park here. And we look at them, we say, I, I can park here because I can do this real quick and run in or whatever. And then there are signs that say, don't park. You know what I mean? Like you, you get this. And oftentimes they're in New York City. I found this rather humorous. For example, you'll see this there. You've been to New York or other cities. Look, the last person that parked here is still missing. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going there. Or what I just said, and you've probably seen these because they really do put these up. Don't even think of parking here. Jesus, I mean this when he says, it, it, this gets it, and I'm saying it humorously, but I'm saying and showing you this because in, in the Greek, in the, in the structure of the sentence, he really is saying it like this. Don't even think about, don't even let it enter your mind that I'm, abolishing the law. He's that strong. Well, the first thing we want to understand is what does he mean, the law or the prophets? May I, may I say, he means the whole Bible, the Hebrew scripture, the law, first five books, the prophets, the rest. There are different ways to divide that, but the audience immediately knew, well, he's talking about all that God has said and we have written in our scripture. You with me? So that's the, the law and the prophets. Now, what, you know, if he says, don't even think about it, then clearly some people were thinking about it. Now, I want you to think about Jesus's life, the things he does. We'll get to some of those, you know, but why would, why would the Jewish people he's talking to there, why would they think that Jesus is abolishing all that Moses and the prophets said. What, what, just tell, give me, throw out something. Why would they even think that he's abolishing it? What, what, what could be something? Take a shot, say it. The Pharisees, were attacking him all the, time. the Pharisees are attacking him all the time saying you're abolishing it. What would Jesus do that might make the Pharisees say, you're, you're dissing the law, man, you know? Heal on Sunday, that's the massive one. It's the Sabbath, it's the biggie. It's, you know, they had so many rules for not doing things on the Sabbath. And Jesus comes along and does stuff on the Sabbath. And I'm telling you, they will ultimately kill him for it, for dissing the law and the prophets. Now, when Jesus says he fulfills the law and the prophets, it doesn't get any better than what Carrie and Emily just did. I mean, if a child can understand that, then we can, can't we? That's what it means. And, and you know, I'll, I'll build upon it only in this way. He's saying that in Jesus is saying in his person and in his work, he is embodying, he's bringing to full reality all that the Old Testament 
says and promises. Um, he, he, he says, you know, the, the, all, look, the law and the prophets, that's me. It, Jesus is the only human being who can shout, it's all about me, and not be sinning when he does it. That's what he's saying. And he can and must say it because it's true. Do you remember, don't turn there in the gospel of Luke, two, you know, the two guys walk along with Jesus, the road to Emmaus. They don't know who he is. And Luke records this. He says, then he started at the beginning with the book of Moses and went through all the prophets. Oh my gosh, the law and the prophets pointing out everything in the scripture that referred to him. It's all about him. Far from abolishing <laughs> the law and prophets. Oh my, Jesus is bringing their fullness, their, their reality, their concreteness of all that God intends. Not the way they're interpreting it, which we'll see in the coming weeks, but what God intends in the law. In fact, he goes on to say, look, it's not gonna be abolished. It's gonna be fulfilled. And in fact, down to the micrometer, so to speak, of the law. Look at verse 18. He says, for truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Don't ignore the smallest parts. Jesus is, you know, if I said to you right now, it's raining cats and dogs, what would you think, how would you interpret what I just said to you? Tell me. Yeah. Would anyone in the room go, dogs and cats are falling in the sky? No, 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 no. Well, when he says, what he says here, not a, you know, a jot or tittle, other ways they say it, not one, one of those is, is gonna not be accomplished. They knew what he meant immediately. Now, now we may not per se. I've got this on the screen for you to look at. Um, what, what does he mean? Uh, not, not the smallest, iota. Well, do you know what? That, this is the smallest letter. That's a letter in the, in the Old Testament. It's called the yod. It's a jot, okay? So not even the smallest, you know, it's just a little, you know, it's tiny. But then here are two more letters, Hebrew letters, resh and dalet. Different letters. Can you tell the difference between the two? Do you see it? Do you know it's, it's that nub? It's the nub. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, look, not the smallest letter or the tiniest spot of ink that changes a letter will not be fulfilled. Okay, and, and he's, by the way, he's speaking of this, that it will be fulfilled. Now there's coming a day when heaven and earth will pass away, so to speak, God recreates a new heaven and new earth. Until that time comes, listen, the law is on and in and it'll be fulfilled. Every little speck of ink will be fulfilled. And he's saying, as I'll see in a moment, in me, in me. Then he gets to two sobering Warnings. That's the last two verses. Now, the first warning, he says, don't, don't be least in the kingdom. Look at verse eight or 19. 
Therefore, in light of what he's just said, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Why do I say in this part, it's the don't be least in the kingdom? Here's a question. Are, he's talking about two groups of people, right? Are both groups in the kingdom? Are, are both groups... You know, when we read it, are both groups, if you're in the kingdom, that means you're in relationship with God. That means you're in. Are both groups in? Well, it looks like it, okay? It looks like it. And uh, some would say yes. Some, some do say, brilliant scholars, Bible teachers, and, and many in the room may read this and go, you know, it's really, it's describing those who are in. Now, they're within the kingdom of heaven, there are the great there are the great and there are the least. There's these levels within. And by the way, this is taught in other parts of the Bible, quite frankly, that, that, that heaven is, there's, there's some hierarchy in heaven based on your life. And you know, we can get that later, but I, I don't believe and many others don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. So I want you to know in this particular text, my understanding interpretation is uh, that there are those in the kingdom, and he's describing those who are not in the kingdom. Now, here, here's where scholars go, and I'm gonna give you the rationale behind this. I've got two, two reasons, there are others. But it's, it's a, many would say, and I think this, it's a, it's a poetic Hebrew way of saying uh, these, these people are out and these people are in. The English translation doesn't quite get that. Um, but within this section, okay, I want you to notice how Jesus ends this little section we're in over the next, you know, next six weeks coming up. Look at verse 48 of chapter five. That's the end of this section of the Sermon on the Mount. And right there, Jesus says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is Perfect. Now he's going to be talking about who's in the kingdom and who's out through this whole thing. Well, those who are in, you got to, the, the level to get in is perfection, wholeness, completeness. Um, when we come back to our text and Jesus says, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, that word relaxes is, it, it carries the idea. It's, it's literally means to loose. L-O-O-S-E to, you know, think of, of, of cutting loose from, of, of removing from. Um, the, the, the idea in the context being the person who loosens the law, i.e. loosens the intent of the law from the law and what God intends is least in the kingdom. And I wanna suggest they're not in the kingdom. Not that they're in in their lower level, they're not in the kingdom. And, and I think the context would, would, uh, would support that. You know, the, the tiniest loosening of the law, I, I, it, I mean, when we read it in the context, that's not perfection, people. <laughs> that's less than perfection. And Jesus is gonna be very clear, it is perfection that's required to be in the kingdom. Now. Let me give you the second reason, and this takes us to the last verse in our text today. Look at verse 20 with me. 
He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let that sit on you for a moment. He's saying, don't measure your righteousness by that of religious leaders. <laughs> leaders. That's the, 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 the point I was saying to you earlier under the heading of this part. Yo, I cannot overemphasize the importance of this one verse. Um, in, these little, in this little verse, Jesus has distilled the message of, of what we know as the gospel, the, the good news of his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. Um, when, when, this, when this verse is properly understood, I tell you, it unlocks and unleashes the most powerful transformative force in the universe. It unleashes grace. 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 Let me explain it. Imagine this for a moment. Uh, what, what, what would you feel if I told you that entrance into heaven requires that you demonstrate that you are smarter, more brilliant than Albert Einstein? I mean, that's the only way you get into heaven. You gotta show you are, you are more brilliant than Albert Einstein. How, how would that make you feel? Or, you know, what's going through your heads right now? Huh? Somebody in the room's going, well, I'm in, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you're out, man. You're way out if you're thinking that. No, no, you see, we would, we would go just in our, in our day and time, we'd go, I'm out. I, 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 won't even come, I can't even come close. For the person in Jesus's day, sitting on that hillside, Jesus says these words. I mean to tell you, they are sitting there and their hopes and dreams of being in the kingdom of God, can I tell you what they measured against? The scribes and Pharisees. Those guys are in. If I could just keep the law like they do, I'm in, but I can't do it like they do. The religious leaders of the day, they were the Mount Everest of righteousness. They were the consummate law keepers. Here's, the, you know, Joe said this earlier to, or, 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 between services we were talking, he said, he said yeah, he said, you know, when, when you and I, when, when generally as Christians, when we say scribes and Pharisees, we go, boo, boo, bad. You gotta understand in that day, you say scribe and Pharisees and people go, you know, amazing. Ask anyone on the hillside listening to this in the original context, who's in the scribes and Pharisees? I'm telling you, that's who's in. That's what they'd say. Fascinating, is it not, that Jesus points the other way, right? Think about where we've been in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, here, here's what I want us to sense is 
what they sense, and that is if they're not in, who can get in? Who can get in? Who can get in? When Jesus says that being in the kingdom requires a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, I want you to know the Greek construction here throws gas on it. So that, so that when he says that, you gotta hear what, what they were feeling and hearing is Jesus saying, unless your righteousness supersedes, it, it's like, look, you gotta go infinitely beyond those guys in your righteousness to be in the kingdom. They got the message. And by the way, the scribes and Pharisees got the message too. Like they, they weren't wondering, did he just say what I think he said? <laughs> He just said, we're out. We know they got the message. How do we know they got the message? How do, how do we know? They spent the next two years and then they finally got there and killed him. Y'all, at the core, why'd they kill Jesus? Because he, he's breaking the law, you know what I'm saying? They're killing him over this reason that he's talking about here. So how is it, okay, that, that you know, in the eyes of every Jew, these are the guys who keep the law perfectly. And, and if they don't get in, and you know, how in the world does, does anyone get in? That's the question for you and I too. Well, the answer, we've got to go back to the sinking of the Titanic. Here's what I mean. Look at the iceberg again. Um, I said at the beginning, it was not the iceberg they saw that sank them. It was the iceberg they didn't see. Y'all, there is a fundamental reality as human beings made in the image of God in which there are external reality, there is external reality and there's internal reality. There's that which we can see physically, touch, and there's that which we, we can't see, but is real. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I mean, this is what the Bible teaches. What, what you are looking at right now, if you're looking at me, can I tell you this? This is all you're seeing. You're seeing me, you know, and you may be thinking things about me, I don't know, but you have no idea what I'm thinking about you. <laughs> when I look at some of you, you know what I'm saying? If that's, isn't that the truth? And, and it, which, which part, the visible or the invisible, which part is the real me? Yes, all of it. That's the point. You can't separate the two. Does this make sense? Again, I, I want you to know I'm talking biblically here, not psychologically. Well, you remember back in verse eight, I said this as I taught through it. There Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. We know, and this is a big word for Fellowship Bible Church because our mission, we believe with deep conviction that our life in Christ is wholehearted life in Jesus. And that's where we wanna help people go and experience. 
We know the Bible teaches that the heart is, is the essence of, of who you are. It's, you know, it's the control center of life, not, not the, the muscle, but that part of us that thinks, feels, desires, and chooses. That, that is what you and I know, well, what the Bible, I just wanna say this, this is what the Bible says is the heart. It is our thoughts, it is our emotions, it is our desires, and it is our choices, our volition. This is the heart. Everybody with me so far? Now, we tend to uh, live life in this way. We tend to live life with our choices above the waterline. This makes sense, our thoughts, our emotions, and our desires below the waterline. Now you go, Lloyd, what do you, you help me understand. Well, it's, it's this, it's, we tend to live our lives with the tip of the iceberg being what we're living for and about. Well, Lloyd, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you and I will do everything we can to make sure that little 10% sticking up above that everyone sees looks good, is accepted. Do you go where I'm going with this? And you and I will do everything in our power to keep others from seeing what's below the water. <laughs> That's the part that I tell you, man, we're gonna get into this Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is gonna pull our hearts out and we're gonna go, <laughs> you know. It's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's what's in me. Is everybody tracking with me so far, okay? You see where we're going with this illustration of what Jesus, I hope your understanding is saying. We think it's the 10%, you know, and, and, and always remember this, this is outward, this is inward. This is visible. There's a sense to which this is invisible. External. Internal. This is, this is our life. Now, when God looks at you and I, what does he see? How much of our heart does God see? It's not a trick question. This is good theology. The whole heart, therefore, to be in the kingdom, i.e. in relationship with God, men and women, your whole heart has to be pure. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I can't have a bad thought? No, you know, it's like, what, what, what about if my motive wasn't pure? You're out, <laughs> you know that. I'm, be, I'm yelling in the sense because I'm trying to help us see that's the dilemma. I mean, if we really get this verse, everyone in the room, quite frankly, would go, I'm toast. I don't stand a chance. 
there's this uh, show on the History Channel called Drain the Ocean. Anybody ever watched it? Yeah, see, yeah, you know, three of us. <laughs> but I've watched it. Anyways, they, they use this computer generation stuff. They scan the ocean floor. And what they do is, for you, they drain the ocean. Blah, 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 blah. And then you're looking at the ocean floor and you're going, oh my gosh, there's a mountain there taller than Mount Everest. There's a canyon there deeper. You know what I'm saying? They drain. Jesus, in this one verse, has drained the ocean. And there's our heart. Now he does this in order for us to understand. We got a problem that we can't solve. You don't get in unless your whole heart is Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, H-O-L-Y. Because made in God's image, men and women, you can obey, you can, you can keep the law, but your choices are connected all of your heart. Everybody see that? What Jesus intends is that we would see what he just said and go, oh, I can't fix it. I can't clean it up. I can't sterilize it. I, I need a new heart and I can't get one. And I can't obey my way into a new heart. This is really bad news. And until we accept the bad news, the good news isn't good. But can I tell you what the good news is? You know, back there in the law and prophets that they're accusing Jesus of abolishing, do you, do you, know, what, you know what those, you know what the prophets said? Ezekiel, don't, I mean, don't have to put the verses up because I'm just summarizing. Ezekiel said, you know, one day God's gonna give his people a new heart. <sighs> oh my gosh, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, that God's gonna give them a new heart. And then Jeremiah comes along and says, God's gonna, God's gonna cut a new covenant with his people and he's gonna, He's gonna put the law in their hearts. Oh my gosh, that was, yes. And Jesus comes along and do you understand it's by Jesus's life, death and resurrection. That when he died on that cross, you understand it's he, 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 not because he had a dark heart because he took our sin upon himself. Jesus had a pure heart, but he bore the penalty for us. He was buried and he rose again. He says to each one of us, when you put your trust in me, that's the new heart. So I can't earn it. No, you can't earn it. Well, but I can obey my way and I surely I can obey enough like the, no, you can't do that. In fact, your obedience can keep you from me, you know, in a strange way. 
You can only receive it. Y'all, it's pure grace, pure grace. You don't deserve it. You just get it. I think in our fallenness, part of our fallenness is this. We are allergic to grace. It's like we're allergic to it. Well, what do you mean? I mean, it's like this. We would rather work for it than be humble enough to say I can never do it and just receive it. And until God opens your eyes to understand you can't get there on your own, you're out. And only God opens your eyes to help you see Jesus did it all. <laughs> Jesus did what I could never do. And Jesus, you did it for me. That's all grace. So here's the question for application. Look up here on the screen. We're gonna give you a few minutes to ponder this. <clears throat> Excuse me. We prayed earlier, Jesus, show us, you know, show us what it means to follow you. Well, he's shown us. So here's two things to consider. The overarching question of the text is this, does your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees? Yes or no? <laughs> um, it's got to if you're gonna be in the kingdom. So let me say this, for those of you online, those of you in the room, if you're here and you've never put your trust in Christ, you're not in the kingdom. I, I can't, I say that with so much empathy and compassion but it's true, you are not in the kingdom if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, which means it's gotta be way beyond theirs and perfect. And therefore my invitation and the invitation of the text is trust Christ. Put your trust in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. And it's his righteousness that is superseding the Pharisees in his alone. Trust Christ. But then uh, many in the room and online, you, you've trusted Christ. So here's my question to you. I say it this, if you've put your trust in Christ, are you resting in his wholehearted righteousness today? Trusting that the gospel of grace exceeds your sin, pardon and cleanses within and secures your standing in the kingdom right now and forevermore. In other words, if you know Christ, are you resting in his righteousness or are you in your back of your mind, you're going, I gotta clean up my, well, well, yeah, there's things we, the law remains, we obey the law, but I, I, I didn't say this last verse, but I'll say it here. Do you understand your obedience doesn't even keep you in grace? It's always Christ's obedience. Now hear me when I say this, let me, me mistake me. Keeping the law, let's just say it this way. Doing what the Bible says does not get you in the kingdom. It doesn't, because you can never do it to perfection. But having trusted Christ, i.e. those who are in the kingdom, hear me, we do the law. We, but that's like night and day. We do it because we're in, not to get in. Are you resting in his grace? Have you received his grace and salvation? Would you think about that in these moments?